Hello and welcome to the Aware Parenting Stories podcast. My name is Joss Golden and I am so happy you are here. In this podcast series, I interview people who are passionate about parenting. We talk about all things to do with motherhood and parenting and explore the joys and the challenges that we all face in our families. The aim of the podcast is to inspire us all on our parenting adventures and to support parents to raise their children with more awareness, connection and love. Welcome back to another episode of the Aware Parenting Stories podcast. Today, I'm so happy to be talking to Shelley Clark. Welcome to the episode, Shelley. Hi, thanks for having me. So Shelley works to support parents to understand their children's behavior and to develop rich, lasting relationships with them. She's a physiotherapist, a craniosacral therapist, an aware parenting instructor, and a parenting mentor. She is passionate about the nervous system, the human body, and helping families to thrive. She's also the mother to three beautiful children and is on a mission to shift the paradigm that we parent from. Wow. Shelly, awesome. (laughs) What a great aim. (laughs) Yeah, I think shifting the paradigm is a big part of what we're all doing because it's moving away from that power over approach to being with our kids. So, yep, that's my mission. (laughs) Awesome. I'm right there with you. (laughs) Can you start off just briefly by telling us a bit about like what brought you to Aware Parenting and, and how you started this whole process? Mm, Yeah, sure. I suppose mine really started with, you know, I had a couple of kids, so I've got three children, but I really didn't come to aware parenting until I'd already had two. And so my eldest would have been about four and my second, maybe about two. And I had, uh, I started, I actually came um, to aware parenting through hand in hand parenting. So I'm also an instructor through hand in hand um, parenting. And I just happened to come across that approach first. And they're really similar mm. um, in understanding children's feelings and, and allowing feelings and things. So I, there's a mentor here in Adelaide, um, Anne Hefferin, and I, um, you know, I did some work with her and was like, wow, listening to kids' feelings. <laughs> allowing crying there's you know there's something here and during that um training came across aware parenting and I thought well what's aware parenting and read the books and was like well what are what's the differences and and you know what does this approach advocate for and and came across Marion Rose as well as we all do here in Australia <laughs> um, and worldwide really and did some of Marion's courses and just really loved the the whole philosophy of aware parenting and so uh, like most of us a bit by bit I did a course and tried some of the, the things and I was already doing a lot of a lot of you know, the tools of listening and play and um, setting loving limits and things. So, yeah, I think for me, it really, I was in a place where I was really uh, depleted as a mother and, you know, exhausted and tired and giving everything to my kids. And uh, I remember hanging, I think I've said this before and I, um, I remember hanging out the washing um, kind of one day saying, is this it? Like, is this, is this what I signed up for? Like, is this kind of, I just feel like um, I I didn't feel much at all. (laughs) 
actually, and was like, where's my joy? Where's the joy and the the laughter and the fun? And I just felt like I was on this kind of exhausted roller coaster um, and didn't have a lot of tools or, you know, and aware parenting really gave me permission to say no to my kids in a loving way, to look after myself, gave me the awareness of um, understanding how feelings, how we feel when we're heard and when we're listened to and seen and understood. And it really brought back joy and laughter and connection um, back into my life, not just with my kids, but in my relationship with my husband and my friends and family, because this is a really powerful philosophy and an approach of of being with ourselves, but also with our children. So that's a very long-winded way of saying it's changed my life. Mm. And now I love sharing it with parents to help change theirs. Mm. Wow. Thanks for sharing that, Shelley. I think that's so powerful. And I love the fact that it's so common for us to feel without when we don't have this approach to feel exhausted and depleted and overwhelmed, to feel unsatisfied by parenthood, to feel lost and unsure about where to go, to feel so uninspired by the parenting journey. And then when we discover something that really speaks to our hearts and gives us all these tools to be able to use with our children that are so practical and so helpful and just transform our relationships and you're talking not just about how you learn to look after yourself, how you mm-hmm. learn to be playful with your children, how you learn to listen to feelings, but also about how it then impacts on all of your relationships, your relationship with your husband, your relationships with your friends. It's just so powerful. And what starts as this thing to support our children in a particular way just becomes so much more than that. Oh, absolutely. And I think for me, it's it's another way of coming back to myself. And I was already doing inner work and personal work with my therapy that, you know, craniosacral therapy that I do with clients in the clinic. And a lot of that is self-reflection work. So I was already starting to do that, but it was all around the same time of understanding myself more deeply, of showing up for what I need. And before Aware Parenting, I didn't even consider myself really. Like I just gave everything to my kids because I thought that's what a good mother would should do. And oh, there were so many shoulds and so many have tos. And so many times I went to the playground when I was really actually tired and exhausted and staying at home and, and doing something quiet or reading a book for myself would actually have been what I wanted, but I didn't know that I could do that. And aware parenting, you know, really helped me to see where I could, where I wasn't honoring myself and where I didn't have compassion for myself and where I don't, where I didn't even know what my needs were. And because I'm sure we'll talk a bit more about needs, but we, it's so fundamental to the aware parenting approach is understanding what our needs are that for our children. But I also didn't know what mine were. Mm. Yeah. It's changed. Yeah, it's so transforming, isn't it? And that, that I love that idea too about aware parenting, about that um, essential focus that it's about getting everybody's needs met in the family. Why do you think mothers are so disconnected so often from our needs that we don't even know we have any until we realise that we're completely at the end of our 
Tether. Tether. I know, but I think it's this image that we see in, you know, it's gleaned from our society and the world around us. And, you know, um, the beautiful Marion Rose talks about the disconnected domination culture, which isn't necessarily aware parenting, but the, the domination culture, the culture that we've all been brought up in generation after generation, we give and give and give. And so women typically in generations gone have given everything and um and i think for our generation now seeing that on the platforms that we have and on social media and having the connection and and internet like we do now kind of even adds to that with the stories that we are surrounded by and so i think that pressure is even more so now of like mm-hmm. we have to have it looking a certain way and motherhood has to be this way and there's so many pressures that yeah that we can kind of forget that we matter and that we have needs too mm-hmm. and i think the the power over culture that we've all grown up in we learn very early on women especially but men and women, all of us learn very early on that we need to change to fit into the environment that we grow up in. And often if we didn't have our feelings listened to when we were little, we have them squashed down. And so we we disconnect from them. And then we forget to even tune into our own bodies and to tune into what we need because from really early in our childhoods, it was made to be wrong or we were told to be quiet or told to please other people, to be a good girl, to be a good boy, all of these things that we internalise from our childhoods, which is passed down. It's not blaming our parents at all because this is like, when I say passed down, I mean generationally. It's never about blaming our parents, but it's knowing that it's the culture that they grew up in, so then it's passed down to us. And and when we then become a mother ourselves, <laughs> we often I just didn't even know how to tune into myself and know what I needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we then pass that on until mm-hmm. we do some work <laughs> and start to change that. Yeah, I love that answer. I, yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's such a big part of the whole aware parenting process recognizing that we have needs, finding ways to meet them, supporting our children to stay deeply connected to their needs and expressing their needs and finding ways that so that we're all responsible for meeting our own needs. And yeah, it's just Mm. has such a powerful effect. And then we imagine our children as the next generation of parents and how amazing that's going to be to see them supporting their children having been raised this way. Yeah, it's so powerful, Mm. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I do love that image because really it is about staying connected to who who we are and that's, the, you know, at the essence of aware parenting is really our children know who they are. They know what they need. They, they are in tune way more than we are often as adults because we've got all this layers upon layers of conditioning that we're trying to kind of peel back. Our kids, they are really connected to who they are. And when we come in and listen to their feelings, um, it brings them back into their centre and it helps them stay connected to their, their what, you know, what their interests are, their purpose, you know, what they love, their joy. Um, and I think as parents, that's what we're trying to learn now. Yeah. And my image 
I love the thought of thinking, well, if my kids can stay more connected to who they are throughout their childhoods and adulthood, it means that each generation that is to come will stay more and more connected to their true nature, to their essence, to what makes them who they are. Mm -hmm. And I love that image. (laughs) That's really why I'm doing this. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's what I often say to clients, you know, what, what do you want your relationship to be like with your children? And what do you want your children to be like? What do you want their experience of, of you to be Mm -hmm. like? What do you want their experience of them to be like? And that's such a powerful reflection, isn't it? It is. Because I often work, as I'm working with parents now, they might say, well, why do we do this work? Why why bother? Why bother looking at um, our childhoods and our imprints and our stories and what's coming up for us? Well, you know, I, I turned out okay. And I'm like, okay, well, yeah, you know, most of us are functioning humans in, in society and, and we did turn out okay. But then um, in the next breath, they might say, oh, I'm a bit lost with my work. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. And I, I don't, I'm in a job that I don't really love and I hate it actually. And, but I just don't really know what, what I, what I enjoy doing. And I'm like, yeah. So that right there (laughs) is what we're wanting our kids to stay connected to. And let's work with that. Like, what do you love doing? What are your passions in life? And, you know, when we uncover some of, and work with our own needs, it means that we can come back to our center and to come back to who we really are. And then we go, oh, this is what it feels like when our kids, when we can, you know, when we can listen to our kids and we help them stay connected to who they really are. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, that's why I love doing this work yeah. because, and it's so important because we have layers and layers of conditioning to to unpack that we don't even often realize Um until we start to look at this, until our ch- children's behaviour starts to kind of bring up feelings for us. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And it's so liberating for our children as well when we do start to do that exploration of ourselves because then they're not burdened by all of our stuff and they really are free then to actually yeah. be connected to who they are rather than have be carrying our our pains and our wounds and our trauma as well through their lives. So, yeah, it's so important, isn't it? I wanted to talk to you about um, lots of things. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to talk to you about play because I know that's one of the things that you are particularly passionate and knowledgeable about when it comes to aware parenting. Can you talk a little bit about what, what attachment play means to you and, and how you, some examples maybe of how yeah. you use it in your family? Because it's yeah. such an important, crucial and fun part of parenting. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I could talk about play all day long. So, you know, you might have to stop me at some point. <laughs> um, but I think it was probably one of the biggest shifts in in my parenting when I came across um, attachment play and understanding the different ways that our children use play to process their world. And actually the power of when I'm playful and when we can use play to connect with our children and help them shift and express whatever feelings might be going on for them, that we don't need to resort to um, other harsh ways of discipline. I put that in kind of, you know, quotations, but we don't need to resort to punishments or, or bribes or threats or things like that because when we recognize that our children's behavior 
there's something going on underneath Mm -hmm. for that child. So how can we reach them and how can we connect with them in a playful way? It often helps to shift the feelings and then they come back into balance. They come back into their center as we were talking about and that's they come back into being connection with uh, with who they are again. And so, you know, we can use play for anything. That's one of the biggest things I, I love about it is that I there's a playful approach or a, a play idea or a game or it's only really limited by our imagination, but there's a way that we can connect and help our children with any situation that um, and we can do it playfully. Most of the time, though, it's hard because of our, our own stuff coming up. And so when we have our own feelings bubbling up to the surface, it can be really hard to be playful because in that moment, all we can think about is stop doing that right now or I'm going to take this away. And there, that's when we're feeling powerless ourselves. And so, um, and often that's the feelings coming up from our childhood. And I know you know this, but And so that's why it's so important to do our own work because then we can be more playful. That's one of the biggest things I say is that when we look at what's coming up for us, we can then have play ideas in the back of our heads um, so that when our children are doing these behaviours or these things are really hard, then we can bring ourselves and bring our, our playfulness and it really helps to connect in that moment. And then we don't need to use harshness or punishments or any of those things. Play really is a way that we can, uh, can connect with our kids and help them shift and express. So some examples, teeth brushing. That used to be a real battle for us. It used to be like, come on, brush your teeth. And it was the end of the day. I was exhausted. I just wanted kids to be in bed so I could kind of relax. This was before we're parenting, right? And then it was like, no, clean your teeth. And they'd be running around the house. And then it ended up being, you know, like there's been times where I was like forced the toothbrush in and then it's biting down. And it's like, it's a, it was hard and doesn't feel good for anybody. And honestly, now it's like a two minute play idea. I think that's one of the other things I'll come back to that story in a second, but people think that play it's another, it's like another thing to do on their to-do list. And it's like, I don't have time to play. I'm like, no, the, the way we talk about play with aware parenting is like it's playful things throughout the day. It's just how can you shift the tone of the moment? And so you would spend five minutes fighting your child to like brush their teeth or you can spend two minutes, it's actually quicker most of the time, mm. to play with your child. It's just what we bring to the situation. Mm. Yeah, and so, so it's our energy, isn't it? Our, it's our light-hearted or whether we're stern or pissed yeah. off or yeah. Our tone. Yeah. They feel our bodies before they sense before they hear anything we've said. And so when we come in and we're tooth brushing and you're like, okay, let me see what's in there. And it might be like, you know, every tooth makes a different animal noise. Or I've um, said, okay, will you brush my teeth first, but make sure you brush my teeth. And then they like brush my cheek and brush, you know, and then there's toothpaste all over my face. Now that takes 30 seconds to wipe off. It really isn't much extra effort, but uh, they, they're giggling. I'm giggling next minute everything's more fun and and the teeth brushing happens in you know real quick 
Mm, and um, especially before bedtime, it's so nice, isn't it, to have that playful connection. And then you get into bed and you're cuddling up with your kids and they're so close and they're so loving and they're so relaxed and yeah. you have those beautiful conversations and it's just so it's not just in the moment that it saves you, it's it's after the moment that it saves you too. Yes, that is probably the biggest thing that I have learned in and one of the most clearest um, examples that I can think of um, was right back at the start when I was like, oh, this play stuff, what do they mean? You know, how can I be playful? I don't want to be playful about this because then they're going to continue to do this behaviour and they'll think it's, you know, okay to do whatever. And I would say to a parent, like, actually, our kids know when we're playing they know that it's a game and they're wanting connection. They won't then actually go and do the the behaviour. It's actually you see less of the behaviour mm. happening outside of those play moments. And so this one day, it was oh, it was three years ago now, so we were having spaghetti for dinner. I was home on my own with two kids and my husband was out, so I was doing the bedtime by myself which I already sometimes would have anxiety about because you think, God, how's this going to go? And so um, we had plain spaghetti, so I didn't have sauce on it. That's important because in a minute I talk about a food fight. So um, <laughs> we just had plain spaghetti and my kids, one of them was dropping it on the floor. And I said, oh, like, don't drop your pasta on the floor. Like, you know, just really, yeah, just was like, don't drop your pasta on the floor. And then they did it again. Of course, you know, because there's feelings there. This is what happens. I could sense a, a rise in my, and you know, frustration of like, oh, oh, come on. Like, anyway, I bent down, grabbed the spaghetti and they did it again. And, you know, this is where you can kind of go two ways. Like uh, before we parenting, I wouldn't have any other tools. So I'd be like, I'd just get more and more frustrated and probably more and more angry and kind of end up being like, stop, you know, I'm going to take the pasta away from you or whatever we would do, which never worked anyway. So we never actually did those approaches, but that's the feeling that you would want to do, right? And I went down, bent down, picked this pasta up, and then I had enough kind of uh, ability to reach back in and, right, let's try this play thing. And so I had enough sense to come up and in this laughing kind of tone, I just threw the pasta back at him um, and it got him in the face. And uh, But then I, with this inviting tone of like, whoa, don't throw the pasta at mum. <laughs> and he picked up some pasta and thought, Cat, is she like for real? Is she saying throw the pasta? Like you could see a bit of hesitation in his face. And then he she, he threw the pasta and then I like pretended to get angry that, oh, what, you threw the pasta at me? And then he threw it again and I kind of had some on my face that I sucked into my mouth and like it became this little food fight where, and that's why I was mean, there's not sauce being flung around here. There was just, and then we threw pasta on the wall and there was huge amounts of giggles. And then, you know, I was trying, you know, it was all just spaghetti on my hair and all the fun things. And what happened was they weren't eating their food. And that was me saying, come on, eat your dinner, let's go, we're going to have a bath, like that sort of tone as opposed to the laughter and the giggles and taking the pressure off and there's no tension and I was happy and they were laughing. They ate two bowls of pasta each. And then I was like, okay, it's time for a bath. And so the rest of the night was completely different. Mm. They got in the bath, they had the bath, they got out of the bath, we had a like exactly like you explained before, 
the aftermath once you've connected that's it's just easy mm-hmm. and then getting to bed bedtime was easy and I came out and it was the easiest bedtime we'd had in months and it was just me and all I had to do was clean up some plain pasta mm-hmm. uh, and you know that took 10 minutes or something and presumably your children don't sit at the table every meal time throwing their food on the floor. I mean, no. I remember my son having an example of that for us was my son. We were traveling in, in South America and we was, there'd been a lot of stress and tension and we were staying at my brother's house because he lived there and he had a swimming pool and my son was four and my daughter was two and my son had had a lot of fear around the swimming pool and so mm-hmm. on. And so we played this game where I stood by the pool fully clothed And I said, you know, it's so nice to be able to stand here safe by the pool and to know that no one would ever push me in. And it's just, I'm so happy to be dry and all this stuff in this obviously jokey way. And then my son pushed me in the pool with all my clothes on and I got out and I was pretending to be all outraged. And then they did it again and again and the cousins joined in and it became this big game. And then my son just, that was it. He was swimming and he was off and it was like, that was it was all gone. And it's not that he walks up to me every time I'm dressed and splashes water on me no. or pushes me in the pool whenever whenever he has the chance. It was just that one moment that flipped it around completely. Yes. Um, lots of laughter, lots of healing, lots of connection. And then that's it. It's over. They move on and it's beautiful. Exactly. And this is, I probably have hundreds of ideas, like examples of that very thing. This is how we help our kids to shift through their fears, their anxieties, their feelings about whatever it is, we can play with it. And it's the laughter is the emotional release, right? That's the, it's the laughter that is shifting those feelings from their bodies and, and the connection and the, 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 um, the connection with you that it sends that message to them that you get what they're going through, that you understand them, that you, uh, we've played a similar game with my son with dogs and he was, he got jumped up on a dog when he was like 18 months old. And so um, he was really scared of dogs. And so I think it was maybe about four. Yeah. It was about when we started this, um, you know, aware parenting and, and play, we played dogs in in the in the bedroom and I was the dog and he was the owner again this is all directed by him and he was the owner and he was like telling me to go around the bedroom and we on all the blocks and we on the toys and we on this and like anything with you know toileting and poo and wee jokes is wonderful for kids because we always have so much tension around toileting in our society so he was in charge and I was the dog and I was pretending I was rolling over and all the things. And then, uh, you know, we probably played that for 20 minutes. There was something that, you know, he really got him laughing, really got him laughing. And you just repeat that over and over again. You know, I was thinking, gosh, how many times can I do this? And it'd still be funny. <laughs> um, and he did. And then later that day, I think it might've been that day on the next day, we went to a friend's house with the that had um for a barbecue and they had a dog and halfway through the night he says mum mum look at me and he's patting the dog which he would he'd never done and so play helps us to connect with our kids in the moment for things like teeth brushing and getting out the house and getting in the car and those things it can be wonderful but it can be also equally as deep and wonderful to help our kids to work through 
uh, things that might be that they might be struggling with or afraid of. It really shifts things for us as well. I mean, you're talking about you know the tension when you're putting the kids to bed by yourself, for example, mm-hmm. and so you've got that anxiety and that stress and that sort of mm-hmm. worry and that oh god feeling. Or you know when I'm worried about my son and will he ever learn to swim? And oh my god, what happens if he doesn't? And it's really important because we live in Australia and everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, you get into that playfulness. It shifts our worries. It helps us to heal from our concerns and our worries as well as our children. And in in shifting things for us, it always shifts things for them as well, doesn't it? Absolutely. And that's why I always say it's important to start with us. But the power of, of connection and laughter and often often I get into a state where the laughters that are, sometimes you might have to sort of play and ham things up a bit and you kind of are in it and, and you're, you know, overreacting and all of that sort of stuff to, to bring the laughter. But somewhere in there, it becomes just pure lo- laughter and delight for both parties. Mm-hmm. And that is that deep connection that, mm-hmm. that our children feel. Mm-hmm. And that is what has made more parenting much more enjoyable for for us you know I now feel joy in my parenting and rather than the that state of like oh what do I do with this and I don't know how to handle you is that was the feeling that I used to have I don't know how to handle this but play really helps me to feel empowered in my parenting Mm -hmm. because I have tools that I can connect with them and it really shifts it yeah. And it's fun. My son was just home from uni for two weeks last week, last two weeks. And the day before he left, there's always a bit of tension. There's always a bit of sadness for both of us. And he was showing me these fart videos on TikTok. Yeah. And I swear, like he's 18 <laughs> and I'm 52. But yeah. I mean, we were laughing. Like this went on for about 20 minutes and we we were laughing. We were rolling on the floor. I was crying. Like I had pain mm. in my head from laughing so much. And it was so beautiful. And it was just, yeah, it just reminded me yet again of how powerful it is to just laugh with our children and to to heal, to release, to connect, just to feel so nice. Absolutely. And to just be with them. Yeah. Like the, the power of just being with someone. And I think as parents, we can often forget that. We can forget, you know, it's so easy to get caught up in the doing for our kids the you know the washing the cooking the cleaning the the school runs the um sports runs the all these things that we do because we love our children but it often ends up just kind of like this all the things mm-hmm. um whereas actually like you said just laughing together like being next to each other and sharing that connection and laughing deeply together just means that our children get to kind of just rest in the relationship between us, mm. in that safety. They don't have to do or be or perform or any of those things. They just get to be with us and we get to be with them. We don't have, we're not in that kind of constantly, I'm constantly giving to you state. You actually get to feel it. Yeah. That's so beautiful, isn't it? It's just so profound for everybody. And it also, I mean, a lot of those jobs and things that you're talking about that preoccupy all of us in our parenting, if we've played with our children and we've had that laughter and that connection, often our children are willing to help us and they're willing to cooperate. And so, you know, all of those things that can make us feel so exhausted and overwhelmed in our parenting actually become easier because they're helping or they're just being more cooperative generally. So, parenting feels easier so we have more space and more energy to be able to do some of those other things so yeah it's just win 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 
Yeah, and I would absolutely agree with that because there's been times where I have, say we've, we do a, like a reset of the house where we're like, all right, everyone, we're going to reset the house and let's all of us contribute to, you know, loving our house and putting things away. And, and there's been times where I'm like, right, this is when I want to do it. <laughs> and I've, bring, I've been bringing a, the energy of like, right, let's get this done so we can go and then play and go and do something else. And it's very a bit, there's lots of tension. <laughs> and then when no one's listening and no one's doing the things and, you know, it can be really easy to kind of then keep going down that path of like, right, if you don't come and do this, then it just, it, it doesn't feel good for anybody. But if in that moment I stop and connect with them and put on some music and we dance or I it becomes a chasey game where um you know like I might say something like oh I hope no one puts this thing away and then if they do I'm going to come and give them some kisses and and I turn it into a, a game of chasey and and hide and seek or all of a sudden that hour everything's been done but it's so much more enjoyable for all of us and like you said they are then going, oh, mum, I've just taken this to the, you know, I'm putting this away in my room and here I folded this up and I'm like, okay, great. It just makes everything more more enjoyable. Yeah, it really does. And yeah. I've noticed like as my kids get older, they started to use a lot of some of the other techniques of aware parenting in a playful way with me. So sometimes, or I try to get my daughter to do something like, I don't know, something that we need to do or something that she yeah. needs to do for whatever. And she'll say, oh, mom, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I hear that you really want me to do this, but I, I'm not willing to do that. And I'm right here and I'm listening. <laughs> it's just like, okay, so that's become a game now as well. Yeah. That's that's what I've got to come. My kids are probably nine, seven, and three. So certainly they do come back with some of the, you know, that's not how we want to do things. And <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not willing for that. And I don't have to do anything that, you know, I'm like, okay. Yeah. All right. Let's make this a game. So that will be good. I might, I might uh, bring some play when they start to respond in the, in that way. <laughs> Yeah, it's good. Yeah, so lovely. About, I know that at the moment you're doing a, a reset thing about responding to challenging behaviour, and we've talked a bit about that in relation mm-hmm. to play. But mm-hmm. one of the things I love most about aware, well, I, I have silly things to say because I love everything about aware parenting, but um, one of the things I particularly love is how we can see our children's challenging behaviour as a signal, a sign that they've got feelings, and we can look behind their behaviour to see what's going on to support them in that way. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. So next week I'm doing a um, reset challenge and it really is to help people, to help parents to have a look at what's underneath that behaviour. So, and I still, even just this week, I had a few clients come in and say, oh, my child was is doing this. They still haven't changed this. And that is putting so much onus on the child that, ha- you know, is who's seven and I've, you know, was talking to this parent about, okay, well, hang on, let's rewind here. <laughs> and that's what I love about aware parenting is that we're always looking for a need or what might be underneath that behavior. And so first point of call for me is always to start with us. What is coming up for us when they're doing this behavior? And when we start to look at what that is, often when we shift our own stuff, they stop that behavior. So that's the first thing is to look at our own 
you know, what does it bring up in us? Does it make us really frustrated that they're not listening? Does it make us annoyed or does it, does it, what are the feelings that um, are coming up for us? Because when we look at that, honestly, for me, I don't know, maybe half the time that I look at my own stuff, the behavior just, they just stopped doing it because it was often my attention that was, I was bringing into the situation. And then if I've worked on my attention, then I am often more able to play, which means that the behavior shifts really quickly. So that's the first step in the reset part for me is always ours. Then, then I want to help parents to look at well, what is actually going on? What might be going on for your child? What's the behavior and what's underneath? So with aware parenting, we're looking at, do they need more information? You know, do they have enough information of what's needed of what's, what's, what's going on, what the day is, what, you know, what's expected in the morning or what, what time they're leaving, all of those things. Like, do they need more information? Do they have enough uh, autonomy and choice around the situation? So, you know, often big behaviours can be frustration and outrage and, well, hang on, is that because they're not getting much say in their life? They're not getting much choice around what their life looks like. And this is, you know, even two or three-year-olds, they need everyone needs choice and autonomy and, you know, for that to be heard and seen and respected. And, and so we'll look at that and see, well, actually it might be, that the child really loves technology and coding and, you know, that's their passion and yet there's a limit on that because we think there should be as parents and we're not giving that child choice and autonomy in in the things that they love. So there might be a reframe needed to how can we support that for the child and often the behaviour might melt away. So that's the second step, what might be going on with the child to look at these things. The, the If we've got information, they've had all their other needs met, they've had autonomy and choice, then there might be some feelings bubbling up that is driving that behaviour. And so then it's around reframing our parents' ideas around crying and laughter and helping them to come in and maybe there's a a loving limit that's needed where those feelings will then have a chance to be expressed. And once a child has had a chance to have their feelings heard, they come back into balance and the behaviour often stops. And so the third part of the, the reset challenge that I'm running next week is that what actionables or what are the things that we can do as a parent? So what game ideas might be we could try to play and shift with some attachment play or what loving limit might be needed and what feelings might there be, you know, to create some space for those to be heard so that that behaviour shifts. Mm. Yeah, that's so helpful. I think often just to shift that way of responding so that instead of reacting to our children's behavior we're responding to it in a thoughtful way Mm. and being thoughtful about what our feelings what we're telling ourselves is going on and what that means and what we're making that mean and and often that's something that we have to explore outside of the immediate situation but then knowing that you have these three tools that you can use and and 
that they work. So if it is that the child is lacking the information, then giving them the information will stop the behavior and they'll start cooperating. And that's great. And if giving the information doesn't stop the behavior, then stop giving information and let's look at what the needs might be. And that might be meeting needs in the moment, or it might, you know, making that our awareness so that we deliberately make time to meet their needs for choice and autonomy at other times Mm -hmm. and not in that immediate moment. But if it is that, then that would change the behavior. And then thirdly, the feelings. And it's just, Mm -hmm. yeah, are we going to listen to some tears? Are we going to set a limit and and be loving in that way? Or are we going to get some laughter going? But either way, at the end of that process, your child's going to behave in the way that you want them to. The child is going to cooperate. It's magic. Yeah. Because the behavior, the challenging behavior is the that slips away because that's almost the byproduct, right? The the the, the behavior just kind of, you know, they stop because the we've worked on the connection and we've worked on what's underneath the behavior. Um, and the, and yeah, the behavior is really just that symptom of, yeah. of what's driving it underneath. And no amount of kind of behavior change approaches will have that long-term change because we're not addressing what's what's really going on for our child and so I'm really passionate about helping parents to see these see it differently it's like flipping flipping the behavior flipping what's going on for for the child peek (laughs) peek underneath it and doing that we do need to do that often elsewhere separate to in the moment it's not it's very hard to do in the moment because your child's doing whatever is really challenging, we often have this, like you said, reaction and it's very hard in the moment to go, hang on a second, what is this? Where's this coming from? What do they need? Like we need to spend some time outside of those moments to just tease it out a little bit and and look at what it might what might be coming up for us and what does it remind us of? Where's this sort of coming from within us, from our lives? Um. And then going, well, what might be going on for the child? Okay, this, this, and this. Oh, yeah, I've tried that. I've tried that. Oh, okay, hang on. This could be what we do next. And then do the thing and then see. Yeah. Mm. I remember I used to, back in the early days, I used to lie down in bed and I would be cuddling both my kids to fall asleep. And often after we'd done play and listen to feelings and stuff, and I would just be lying there for a while often falling asleep myself, waking up in yes. my jeans at two o'clock in the morning. Yes. Um, <laughs> that's me right now. That's, that's, yes. my, that's my reality. I'm still in that. Yes. wake up and I'm like, oh, gosh, what time is it? Oh, gosh, midnight. Oh, oh, do I go back to bed? Do I do the other things? <laughs> yeah. And I would just replay some of the things that had happened in the day in my mind and I would think, oh, yeah, I wonder what was actually going on there and how could I have done that differently? And, and that would be a really helpful reflection process. Can I just say something to that? Because I think that is it, right? Like I, I've been doing this now for seven or eight years and there are every, it, there's something every day still that I'm like, oh, what was going on there? Okay, yeah. Like I don't, I'm, there's no perfect, perfect parent. There's no, no aware parent, and you would know this and I'm just saying this for people listening, that there's no one that does this all the time perfectly <laughs> There's just no such thing. And so there's always going to be interactions that we can reflect on or there's always going to be moments that we can go, oh, I just, yep, that I, that's probably what was going on for them. Right, next time I can see that a bit more clearly. So I think this is why the reflection process is really powerful because 
for me, in anything that's going on with my kids, there's always a few moments, maybe even weeks, where I'm like, I just don't know how to handle this and this is really coming up and I'm not quite sure. And then once I've had some time to think about it, that's when it, you know, it really shifts. So I think the reflection process is really powerful for us as parents Mm. to do. Mm. And that's, I mean, that takes us nicely into getting support for us. And I know we've spoken about that already a bit, but that's such a crucial part of aware parenting. And those same three things apply to us, of course, about, you know, what we're thinking, what we're believing, what we're telling ourselves about what's going on, what our worries are, what our thoughts are, what our needs are and what our needs what if our needs are not getting met and how we yeah. might address that and become more aware of it and then take steps to do something about it. And then, yeah, what our feelings are. So how do you support parents in this way? What's your experience been of this ongoing process about healing our stuff and mm. tending to ourselves? Mm. Oh, great question. And it's a real passion of mine. I've, for me personally, having supportive containers or supportive, you know, supportive um, relationships. So um, I've had mentoring now for several years um, and I also uh, do counselling sessions monthly. I have craniosacral sessions and I also am very aware that of my privilege in being able to do that. So I just wanted to say that that's, you know, I'm aware of that. It's very lucky to be able to um, have access to support in the way that I have and that's why I'm really passionate about um, providing this information to people at all varying um, price points and accessibility for people because you know I'm really aware of that for myself so I am very lucky to have been able to have ongoing supportive mentoring containers and listening partnerships and that's why I find listening partnerships really helpful because they are free (laughs) and um, people can, you can have a listening partner um, and you can have a very deep relationship with someone that, you know, you exchange listening time with. And I don't know where we would be if I didn't have listening time um, either in my, you know, paid mentoring or with, with my listening partner, because it's been crucial for me to be a, and, and it would be for, it's, it, it is for every parent. <laughs> I think every parent deserves the chance to feel heard and seen and have their own experience uh, acknowledged and to, to work through whatever it is that's coming up for them because we all have stuff. Every single one of us um, on the planet has unmet needs that from our childhood, from, from our life experience that, um, will often come up to be heard and um, having supportive spaces for that is really powerful because then it helps us to change our patterns so we don't pass that on to our children. If we weren't heard as a kid, if we got told to be quiet, to, you know, sit in the corner and not say anything effectively, you know, we would have unmet needs around voicing our opinions and expressing ourselves. And so the more we can work on that or whatever it is that's coming up for us, we can then offer and meet our children in the way that they need us to to meet them and see our children and see the impact of what we say to kids and how that impacts us throughout our whole lives. So we can go, okay, I'm just not, I'm going to change that. So having support is really, really powerful. Yeah, so that's been my my experience. How I support parents in that now um, more and more. 
in programs or courses, um, having people come in and, and learning this stuff, learning about aware parenting. I think even just bringing awareness to there's a different way of being um, is important for people to know. And and I work one-to-one with clients, so I have some one-to-one mentoring sessions where we online and Zoom where we talk about stuff and they get have a space to, to say anything and to, you know, be heard in whatever is coming up for them and it is incredibly powerful. So that's, you know, I think it is important for people. Um, I've got a new course coming out actually which will start in August 1st. Um, which will be an eight-week container for parents to start this process. So we'll have pre-recorded information for them because information is important for us as well as parents to have Um, and then a supportive call to, you know, be heard and share and and those sort of things. So that's coming up too. Um, and I just think it's important for parents. There's many aware parenting instructors have offerings that um, where we're being held ourselves as parents so that we can hold our kids in this way. Mm. It's just, it's really vital. Yeah, it's so crucial. I was reading some of uh, something from Aletha's book, uh, Cooperative and Connected, mm-hmm. yesterday, and mm-hmm. this line just jumped out at me. It's about the, the the best thing you can do for yourself and for your children is to reach out and to receive that empathy and that listening for yourself. And it's interesting that the more I've found over the years, the more I've done those listening partnerships, the more I've explored my thoughts and beliefs about things and brought some questioning and some compassion to them, the easier it is to do that for my children. And I become, it's not just that you're skilled at it, it's also that that you have the capacity to do it. Yes, the capacity. And also it's very hard to give something to our children that we haven't received ourselves. Yeah. So if our children are crying and we're trying to come in and listen and, and just hold the space for that and just be there and say, I'm right here, I'm listening, that can feel very hard and very uncomfortable for us as adults if no one, if we've never experienced that ourselves, if we haven't felt the deep safety and love of having someone um, just listen to us and do the same thing and us cry and laugh and all the things and someone just say, I'm right here, mm. I'm listening, I'm mm. with you, this is okay, I'm here. If we haven't experienced that, it's really hard to then hold that for our children because we'll start to have like, oh, this is not okay, this needs to stop or oh, something must be wrong here or we'll have all of these feelings come up because often that's probably what we received when we were growing up. Yeah, yeah. It's so often clients will say, oh, I'm really struggling because I can't get my child to cry, finding it hard to get the sweet spot to actually mm-hmm. support them to express feelings. And then I say, well, how's your crying going and how often are you listening to yourself and how how often are you getting to express how you're feeling? And they just sort of go, oh, never. <laughs> yes, right? And that's the biggest thing. Like it's it, our children know what we have capacity for. And so when we have spaces that we can cry because it is so important to express our feelings, to have them heard, to have them listened to, when we can access that and have a space for that, it literally like almost I imagine it as like freeing up space for me to then go to with my kids. And my kids sense that 
So if I've gone away or if I've just had a listening to partner, if I just had a time where I've had a big cry, holy, my awareness with my kids is like I'm really there grounded and present with them and then all of a sudden they just know and then they will let out all of their feelings that they've been holding on to because they go, oh, mum's got space for this. She's got capacity for this because she's now grounded and not sort of holding on to all of her own feelings. So I, I agree. I think when parents, you know, having encouraging parents to say, you know, well, how are you with your tears and um, and what's going on for you and and for them to have a space for that is so important because then our kids, they just sense it and they'll let it out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what about, you've talked a bit about your offerings and things. Mm. What Do you want to say a little bit more about how people can find out about you and? Yeah, sure. So, um my offerings are on my website, uh, which is www.shellyclark.com. Um, and I've got a few things on there. I've got 21 Days of Play, which is a self-paced um, play course where you get uh, a little video every day for 21 days. And that goes through all of the attachment uh, play different different types of attachment play um, and has heaps of examples of where I would use it with all the things, you know, getting in the car, food, sleep, bedtimes, getting dressed, nappy changes. Um, And so that really can be adapted from like two-year-olds right up to nine or ten-year-olds, I would say. So that's a really, you know, broad range I know. But the play ideas can kind of span um, across those years. So 21 Days of Play um, is there. I've also got, like I said, I'm not sure when this will come out actually, the podcast, but my reset challenge is next week, which is um, middle of July, Um, but the reclaim course that I'm running will be starting in August. So that'll all the details will be on the website. Social media uh, at Instagram. Generally, I'm more on Instagram than Facebook, but I'm on both. Um, I'll put those links on the show. Yeah, 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 which is underscore Shelley Clark underscore, and then Facebook it's uh, Shelley Clark Mind Body Parenting. Great, thank you. And of course, you're the host of the Mind Body Parenting podcast as well, so people yes, can go and have a listen to that. <laughs> I always forget to pl- uh, plug my own podcast, but yes, Mind Body Parenting <laughs> podcast. Um, which has, yeah, different interviews with all sorts of um, parenting experts and um, parents and people in this field. And so that's there to to listen to as well. Lovely. And if you were going to share one piece of sort of wisdom with people, like something you wish you'd known at the beginning or something that you really feel is so important about this to, to share, what would that be? Mm, I think compassion for ourselves as parents in terms of having a loving voice for myself as a parent I would that would be the biggest thing I would change when I from when I was first a parent to now to have to pop my hand on my heart and say you are doing an amazing job and to have that compassion and love for myself would be one of the biggest things that I would change and so for parents or just what I wish I kind of heard (laughs) So that internal dialogue for those listening around, you are doing an amazing job and thank you so much for your parenting. Thank you so much for what you're doing with your kids because 
if you're listening to this podcast, you're interested, you're wanting to learn, you that that compassion for ourselves as parents is so, so important. Mm. Oh, I love that. And that allows us to then be more compassionate with our children. And then that becomes their internal voice by default. So the nicer we are to ourselves, the nicer our children will be to themselves too. So yes. And I could, I could be nice to everybody else, but I would be so harsh in my head and be like, well, you should have done this better. And you were no good at this and you were no good at that. And um, oh, you stuffed up here and you've ruined this. Like none of that. We haven't ruined our kids. We're not. It's it's okay. And to to have someone kind of me, I can go back and wrap myself up and say, it's okay, you're doing amazing and thank you so much for, you know, what you're bringing to the world with your kids. That's what I would want to share with others too. Oh, that feels so lovely. Thank you so much, Shelley. I'm so grateful for your time. It's beautiful to talk to you. I love your passion and your knowledge and your wisdom and your enthusiasm. And I think it's going to be so helpful for people to hear what you've had to say. So thanks so much for coming on. Mm, Thank you. Thank you for joining me on Aware Parenting Stories. I hope you enjoyed this episode. To find out more, please visit my website, www.awareparenting.com.au and follow me on social media at Aware Parenting with Joss. I wish you much connection and love on your parenting adventures. Mm-hmm.